Heritage Foundation. I'm Michelle Cordero, and this is Heritage Explains. This week, we conclude our special series on immigration. We're ending with what is probably the most important element when it comes to reforming our immigration system. And that's how we're currently enforcing immigration laws and how we can be doing it better. Here's David and Sarah, a policy analyst in Heritage's Douglas and Sarah Allison Center for Foreign Policy. Yeah, so one of the things that I think happens in our current political debate is that uh, there's a lot of talk about the wall, border security, what we do we at the border. But you know, as I've, I've probably mentioned before, what happens when a person gets picked up at the border? What happens when they show up at a port of entry and they uh, they ask for asylum? Um, what happens when they overstay a legal visa and they become an illegal immigrant that way? All these situations require enforcement to back up the border security or, or legal immigration system that we have in place. And so to my mind, we should be focusing much more on enforcement, the loopholes that we have in our enforcement strategies, um, and the resources in the immigration court systems that are actually going to adjudicate and, and, and prosecute these cases. Because if, you, if you're just catching people, then that's not really enough. You can't just catch people. You have to also return them to their home countries because if you're not returning them, then you're not sending a deterrent message. Catch them all you want, but you need to be also have the enforcement standing behind those folks who are actually stopping people. And I think that makes sense. No matter where you are on this issue, I think most people would agree that that, that makes sense. So going back to the basics, let's walk through it. Someone's caught at or around the border. What happens next? Yeah, so if they're, if they're caught, generally speaking, crossing between the ports of entry, so they're crossing the border, um, generally speaking, what's going to happen is they are going to be placed in uh, what we call expedited removal proceedings. What that means is that we very quickly um, remove the person because they, we know they just entered the United States illegally. And so we're able to not put them in front of an immigration court judge, but instead we, we can speed that up. However, in certain cases, people claiming um, so, so people can still try to claim asylum. And this is something which much more we see at ports of entry possibly because they have a legitimate asylum claim. So there's, there's, you know, there are a good number of people who will show up at our border who will actually have been persecuted based on their race, their religion, their political opinion, et cetera. And so they're legitimately saying they can't stay in their home country. There are other people, however, who know that our policies that we currently have in place are fairly generous toward people who are able to claim asylum. And there's a good chance that if we, if they claim asylum and they can get past a couple hurdles then they'll be able to be released into the United States um, and you know await an immigration court hearing maybe several years in the future. So for many people, it's a way to get into the United States because they know they don't actually have a visa. They don't have a, a normal legal right to get to the United States. But if you claim asylum, there's a decent chance that you'll be released and then you may not show up at your immigration court hearing in the future. So it might be just be a pathway to stay illegally in the United States as well. This is probably what you're hearing about when you hear the term catch and release. According to the Department of Homeland Security, in a January 2018 report, 95% of those released pending a hearing never show up. Right now, 
we're up to about over 700,000 backlogged asylum cases. And just to give you some perspective, in 2008, there was only 186,000 cases. Applicants can wait up to four years for an interview. I asked David if we increased the efficiency and amount of immigration courts, could that help this problem? So part of it is quite a question of resources. Yeah, how many courts do you have? How many how many judges do you have? Prosecutors. That's certainly one element of it. But the other element of it is, do you always need to have all these cases, for instance, go to immigration court judges? Do you Are there these policies that right now require us to enter into this long, convoluted process? But do we have to always do that? For instance, right now, if you uh, arrive... Um, at the U.S. border as an unaccompanied child uh, from a country other than Mexico. We, the, one of these, it's another one of these loopholes. We have to, the current law requires that we, ret- we turn that child over to the health, uh, Department of Health and Human Services and then they get a normal immigration court hearing. But if you're a child from Mexico, we say, oh, well, we're just going to return you back to Mexico and to your family in Mexico. Um, so we have a special... We have a special, there's a loophole there that says these people, we're we're putting these people into the immigration court system, but other people who are exactly like them, just from Mexico, we say, well, no, we're just going to, we're going to use expedited removal. We're going to quickly return them to their home country since we just picked them up at the border or at the port of entry. Um, So that's an example of how a loophole and better policy, closing a loophole, better policy in some cases is an even better solution than... Uh, than just adding more immigration courts. But certainly resources are a part of that as well. So, David, this is a hard question, but we know that enforcement of U.S. immigration laws can often be a really emotional issue. Oftentimes we see story headlines or documentaries about ICE agents storming into homes and separating families. How do we address parts of enforcement like this that can be so hard to hear? Yeah, so it is certainly... It certainly comes as no surprise to anyone that immigration, especially immigration enforcement, can be can be a very difficult and emotional issue. That is that is certainly true. Um, I think generally speaking, when we look at why it is we have our immigration laws, it's because we have a system that has been designed to say we want to take immigrants legally. We, we, we want to take people who come to the United States and either legally work in the United States on a temporary basis or they're visiting on a temporary basis, or they've got a green card and they want to live here permanently and become a U.S. citizen eventually. Our system is designed to take a a large number of people through those various means. Uh, But when we have people who don't abide by those laws, it's, it's, it's unfair, I would argue, to the people who have followed those laws, who are also, you know, grandparents and parents and children and brothers and sisters, people who have followed the laws. And we expect them to wait many times to be rejected for these visas. But then other people, other people who are, have brothers and sisters and mothers, uh, they break the laws and we're expected to just say, well, they've got family and we're supposed to look the other way. I think it behooves us to think about rewarding those folks who are obeying our laws rather than rewarding those folks who have broken them. Um, does this mean that we are out to, you know, we're going to be doing, you know, deportation squads and teams who are going up to round up every single illegal immigrant? No, I think that's incredibly costly. Um, and I think that um, it would be very difficult to do. Uh, but instead, 
what we what will happen is is that when in the course of enforcing our laws, if you're using a social security number fraudulently, if you are if if we're going after someone else who maybe they committed a crime and then we come across you or there's an, a raid at a business, a business that's illegally employing uh, workers, um, then these people will get people will get caught up in this. And it, but it comes back to the fact that they themselves didn't have a right to be here in the first place. And if we just say every person we catch who has a sympathetic case, we just let off the hook. Well, then you don't really have a system at all. Really, your system is just whoever is sympathetic, please come here and we won't enforce the law. We want to incentivize a, a proper legal immigration system. Um, and there's certainly reforms that we can make in that regard. But we, we need to make sure that our laws are enforced uh, as well for a, to have any working legal immigration system. Yeah, I really think it's becoming easier to see now how granting amnesty and perhaps even just building a wall are the easier fixes when it comes to the United States immigration reform dilemma. David, but what about the people who come here legally and end up staying longer than they're allowed? How large of a problem is that? Yeah, so this is a great example of get, that gets at the the importance of enforcement versus border security. So we think right now that about 40% of the uh, illegal immigrant population came here originally on a legal visa. So they came here legally, but then they overstayed. So 40%, that's a pretty big number. And so if we want to actually tackle uh, illegal immigration, it, it can't just be about border security. If you, like I said, you get a perfect border security and you can have no one even show up to the border anymore and try to claim asylum, even if you dealt with all of those loopholes and all those problems, you'd still have people who'd come here illegally by, like they came here illegally and then they overstay. Uh, this speaks to the importance of, of more interior enforcement. So that means ICE officers. That means proper, uh, proper policy regarding uh, employment, um, going after employers who hire illegal labor. Um, it means these sort of internal tools because you can't just do that at the border. Um, some people bring up the idea of a biometric exit system it, that, that will somehow stop overstays. Um, I disagree with that. If someone refuses to leave the country, they're overstaying. They're, they're still you know, in Chicago or somewhere like that. That means they're not exiting. And so you can have a very expensive, very fancy, very technologically new biometric exit system set up. But if they didn't leave, then they're not using that system. And so... All you need, from my perspective, is a cheaper biographic exit system, basically a list of people who should leave, and when they didn't leave, you say, aha, they didn't leave, and then you have a list of those people, and then you go out and look for them. The more expensive the system, it doesn't really get you too much more in terms of immigration enforcement. In closing, what are some of the things the Trump administration is doing to better our immigration enforcement law? Well, you, you, you talked, we've talked a little bit about these loopholes. Clearly that they are pushing for Congress to end some of these loopholes. That is, like I said, from my perspective, dealing with the, the loopholes around unaccompanied children or just there's some other loopholes regarding children and, and family units in general, um, the, some issues with asylum uh, and, and how asylum is claimed in that process, the loopholes there. I think those loopholes are very important that we close, and the Trump administration is very vocal in trying to, you know, at, in saying that those should be changed. Um, some of the other things that they have done already is like, as, as we've talked about um, before, they've at the border, they're obviously taking a much more no tolerance 
uh, you know, sort of policies, zero tolerance. So they are doing their utmost to deter people who they do catch and to not, they're doing as much as they can to not release those people. But like I said, that's a case of where they're doing everything they can, but due to lack of resources or these loopholes, sometimes they have to release people. So they are doing a lot on this front. In terms, like I said, zero tolerance as far as they can do it. Uh, but they're to really make this to really fix this system, you need to fix those loopholes. You need to do. A, you need to talk about resources. Um, the Trump, the Trump administration is asking for it. But ultimately, the resources and changes to our laws are something you need Congress to step up and and help fix those loopholes or lack of resources. And that's why I think the whole debate that we have right now around what to do with DACA and the the you know the discharge petition, whatever's happening with that, I think that's what's so unfortunate because we spend all our time focused on the question of amnesty, whereas these these fixes, these are the fixes which we need to have to have a working, well-enforced system. But they're always the ones that are sort of. Those are the things that are being sort of cut from the, and we've heard we hear through the grapevine that these are the things that are being cut or or watered down or compromised on. These are the things which we should be doing first, but instead they're just sort of like the fluff that people are like adding after the fact. Amnesty is the central part of these deals, but we never get back to doing the stuff that Congress actually has to do. And that's it for today's episode. Please share our podcast with your friends, rate us and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week. Hi, this is Rob Bluey, Vice President of Publishing and Editor-in-Chief of The Daily Signal. If you liked hearing about the issues that Washington's not discussing, check out Underreported, a brand new video series from The Daily Signal looking at other issues that the mainstream media forgot to mention. Heritage Explains is produced by Michelle Cordero, with editing by Thalia Rampersad.